And Luke says that then they gladly, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, I'd get in a revival like that, wouldn't you? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayer. So, Father, we're thankful tonight, the privilege of being in this place. And Lord, we're thankful for that place that we can call home. And we're thankful, Father, that we're closer to it tonight than we've ever been before. Father, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you've sent your son into this world. But, Lord, I'm glad you've gone back to prepare a place for those of us who put our trust in you. And I pray tonight, Father, that you'd stir our heart, that you'd feed our souls, Lord, and that you would give us what we need to do what you commanded us to do in these last days when we've done all the stand to stand. Refresh this mind, loosen this tongue, quicken me, Lord, by your word. And Father, whatever's accomplished, if there's anything praiseworthy, we give it all to you, for we ask it in that name that's above every name. The name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. I want to draw our attention back to verse 42 and listen to what Luke said. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, look, let me tell you something. If a church isn't doing those four things, they're not really a church. Y'all didn't believe me, or that's the first time you heard that? All right. Let me say it again then. If a church isn't doing those four things, then it's really not a church. Thank you. These four things, friend, listen, are done from the inception of the church on Pentecost until we dismiss by the Spirit of God to go uh, to heaven. But tonight I want to talk to you about this thought. I want you to pray for me. I, I, just a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's hard for me to believe that we're in the fourth Sunday of the first month of 2023. I didn't know on that first Sunday when I began to preach and I preached on something the church must be and that's people of the book that it would turn into a little mini-series but it has. The second Sunday I preached on something the church must do with a subtitle uh, Preach the Gospel. Last Sunday I preached on something the church must have with a subtitle An Unshakable Faith. Well tonight I want us to think about Something the church must stand on, and the subtitle is Timeless Treasures of Truth. Now look, let me tell y'all something. When I get alliteration, y'all know it's from God. You hear me? Trust me, you know it's from God. Timeless Treasures of Truth. And if you wonder what I'm going to talk about, friend, I'm going to be talking about the Apostles' Doctrine. I'm going to be talking about something that the New Testament makes reference of. And I had the numbers down, but I forget what they were because I didn't put it on my notes. The faith, that body of truth, friend, that was proclaimed after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It was proclaimed, first of all, by the Apostle Peter and every other preacher of the Word of God, called of God, anointed by God, and preached these great truths. And you know what? Friend, until Jesus comes, I believe with all of my heart, God is going to have a people. They may not be uh, popular. They may not be the largest number, but He will have a people that would declare the Apostles' Doctrine. And let me say this. I want to boast in the fact that Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle is one of those kind of churches. Say amen. Chapter chapter. 
2 of the book of Acts, most of you Bible readers know, is when the Feast of the Pentecost was fulfilled. It was the last of the first four feasts that took place in the spring that were fulfilled. They were given in the book of Leviticus. They are, are gathered in chapter 23 of the book of Leviticus, which may be, in my opinion, the deepest chapter in the Word of God because they give the calendar of God for the last days, for the days that Jesus appeared on planet Earth to the days that He comes to tabernacle on planet Earth. Four of those seven feasts have been fulfilled exactly in the same time of the year that they were celebrated celebrated by the nation of Israel and it's made me to believe my studies that the last three will uh, one day in the last part of the year in the fall part of the year the other three will be fulfilled just exactly like the first four and you know what we're closer to seeing them fulfilled than ever before guess what the next one starts with the feast of the trumpet we talked about that a little bit this morning not directly that but we talked about it in the Sunday school class now it was on that day that the church of Jesus Christ was inaugurated and marked you like this, homogenized into the body of Christ. They, they were brought together in one body and it was done by the Spirit of God. And there could be no doubt about the fact that Christianity and Christians in this day and age are under attack. And listen to this. They're not only under attack, friend, and being persecuted in Muslim countries like Nigeria and other places throughout the world. Hey, but listen, friend, we're living in a day when it's also being done in the nation that we call America. The only nation, as far as I know, on planet Earth that was founded upon Christian principles whose natural, national documents and laws, friend, were based on the Christian's Word of God. And we're catching it in America. And it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. I told Debbie, saw an article, a news article of some sort, Y'all have heard of the Mall of America in Michigan? Biggest mall in America? There was a guy that was walking through the mall that had a t-shirt on and on his back. It said something like Jesus saves or somewhat. And the mall security stopped him and said one of two things. You either have to leave or take that t-shirt off. You can go through the mall cursing using any foul language you want. Like Debbie said, you can put on drag and, and walk through the mall. Nobody will say anything to you. But you announce Jesus. You witness for Him. They want to throw you out, friend. And listen, I'm going to shock you. Are you ready for this? Grab a hold of your seat. Tighten your seatbelt. It'll come to the day, friend, when Jesus will be thrown out of His own church. If He's mentioned there, people will say, you need to get out of here. Can I illustrate that? There's a little fellow one time. I'll take time. Since I'm preaching, I've been doing all the work here today, so I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not, I'm not too tired, so y'all may as well wait until I get done. I come to preach and work. Listen, now I'm, I'm just, listen, there was this guy, he, he was in church, and this church needed a new pastor. Well, they got this pastor to come. He finally agreed had to come, and they were in a board meeting. One of them said, listen, why don't we go to a Charlie? If Charlie acts for this preacher every time he gets up to preach like Charlie normally acts and said, said, he'll leave, he won't like it. And they said, well, we'll talk to Charlie. Well, first time that preacher preached, listen, he was dry as dust. I mean, to tell you, listen, he was dead on the doorknob. But when he began to talk and read the scripture, old Charlie said, whoop, praise God, praise the Lord. I mean, he found something to get happy with. 
The deacons got upset and they said, we got to talk to Charlie. said, Charlie, listen, buddy, we love you. We don't want to get rid of you. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. Would you care to go to the janitor's closet next Sunday when you come? Would, would you mind doing that? And they said, no, I'm okay. I'll do that just so long as I can come to the house of the Lord. Well, Charlie, come to the house of the Lord. He could hear back in there in that, in, in that closet. And they thought, man, they got rid of him. And that old preacher was preaching. And again, he was as dry as powder. I mean, to tell you, half the church was asleep, but old Charlie was listening. About the time the preacher said, listen, God cast my sins into the depths of the sea, Charlie was back there thumbing through a national, uh, uh, what is that, geographical, national geographic. He saw where the ocean's about whatever miles deep it was. Old Charlie come tearing out that uh, janitor's room, shouting. He said, hey, Charlie, when they got him slowed down, how can you shout on something like that? He said, I heard the pastor say, put my sins in the depths of the sea. I was reading National Geographic and I found how deep they were and I couldn't help but shout over something like that. That's what we ought to do. We ought to shout like that. You hear me? Thank God. Listen, I ought to be somebody like Charlie. I have no idea what that guy's name was. I just made that up. So. People can deny and doubt the truth all they want. But can I tell you the fact of the matter is what I just said stands true. They're minimizing Christianity and Christians every way they can. They're even beginning to tell us what they used to tell the homosexual. Do y'all know that the homosexual used to be noted as being a psychological problem? Do y'all realize that? I could even tell you why it's gotten out of the, uh, the diagnostic statistics manual, whatever volume that it is now. You know what got it out? Pressure, like wokeism pressure. They didn't vote on it. They didn't go to the committee to do it like they do everything else to get in or take out. I'm telling you, friend, we're up against it. And before long, friend, do you know who will be added to the Diagnostic Statistics Manual of Psychology? It'll be me and you if we believe in Jesus Christ. Hey, I don't know about you, but I decided I'm going all the way. I'm going to stand for the grace of God. We've got treasured truths to hold on to. And somebody's got to stand with them. And for them. See, I'm afraid Christianity, friend, I know without a doubt it's under attack. Look at these days. There are many who are fervently and fervently working to spread heresies about the church with Jesus purchased with his blood, empowered by his spirit, and entrusted with his word. But listen to what Paul told Timothy in the letter that he wrote him. He said, but thou, I like the word but. Let them do what they will, but. Let anybody else do what they do, but not Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, and love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Thank God that's what I want to do. I want to fight if I have to and stand when I need to. Amen. See, we're exhorted in the Word of God to do that what Jude told us to do in the only chapter that's under his name. We're to contend for the faith. Do you know what that means? That means to struggle for. That, that means to fight for when you get... It means to wrestle over if you have to. Man, listen, people say, well, why don't you new, use a new version of the Bible? I said, I don't need one. I got the best one. When you got the best, you don't need to change it. It's just that simple. You see, in this day of many new things, now listen, I'm going to tell you, I've got this bolded, I've got it 
capital letters, there are no new revelations. If somebody gets something from God, it's not new. And if it is new, it's not from God. Mark that one down, friend. It's not from God. Can I tell you, look, the Lord continually gives illumination to His children on His revelation. He continually opens our eyes, shines light on the truths of the Word of God. But listen to this old country preacher. He's giving no new revelations. Listen in these prosperity gospel churches. They're getting new, quote, words from God. They're getting them from some God, but it's not the one true God. Now, people can be deceived because John said, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. He said, in the last days, there shall uh, be uh, seducing spirits, uh, teaching doctrines of devils. Trust this old preacher. I may not be too smart, but I know what this book says. I may not know everything, but what I know, I know as good as anybody can know what they know, and I know what I'm talking about. I've got confidence in this word, not in T.K. Price, folks, but in this word. You see, June warns us of two things. Number one, he warns us of people who will proclaim a perverted or twisted gospel. And you know what that means? It's a gospel that sanctions immorality. It's a perverted gospel that says that, that things are wrong or okay. They say it's okay to be saved, to profess Christianity, and then fill in the blank. They say it's okay to be saved and drink. It's okay to be saved and live together. It's okay to be saved and watch pornography. It's okay to be saved and, and a cuss and lie and steal and, and all of those things. Not according to the Word of God. Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about verse 14 or 17. He said, come ye out from among them and be a separated people. He said in a list of things in that same passage, he said, and you were, but now you are. There ought to be a difference in those of us who profess Christianity. And listen to what I'm going to say. Everybody listen right now say amen. We may fail as a Christian and do every one of those things I just mentioned. But I'll tell you what, we won't get any joy out of it when we do. There'll be a conviction that grips our heart. There'll be a regret when we get done. There'll be a shame. So you know what I'm doing? If you're caught up in any of those, you keep fighting the good fight of faith. You take it to the throne of God. About everybody in here probably, if they'd be honest, has a besetting sin. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine has been through, through life. And you know what, friend? Let's just listen. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You see, listen, folks, June not only warns about them preaching a perverted gospel, and they are, friend, look, that, that look, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, said, uh, said, how is it? Since I've got a Bible, and I know where that's at, I'm going to read it. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They're going to look like Christians, be known as a Christian, but they don't want the message of a Christian to empower them, overpower them, and to cause them to do what glorifies God instead of what satisfies man. That's, the, that's good preaching right there. That is good preaching. Now listen. He warns not only of the first thing of perverting the gospel, but number two, he warns that people in the last days will deny the deity of our Lord who was manifest in the flesh. You see, Joseph was dreaming. Gabriel came to him and he said, now look, don't, don't worry about Mary and Mary. 
that was just done is, is fulfillment of the word of God. That was just conceived as hers, conceived of the Holy Ghost, just exactly like Isaiah said. And that holy thing in her is Emmanuel, which means God with us. How many of you believe Jesus was God? Say amen. amen. If you don't, I'm going to instruct you in a little bit that he is. That's one of my points of the message. You know what I told you? Those of you that weren't here Wednesday night, let me tell you, and those of you that were here Wednesday night, let me tell it to you again. I'm seeing in some places on the internet now, through YouTube, and I know that not every, this may surprise some of you and disappoint others, but not everything on the, on the internet that you see and read is true. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm old enough that I can, you know, kind of discern just a little bit. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing it more than one time, and that's, what, that's what's got my ear about this. I mean, I mean, tell you, it's really disturbing. Now, look, listen to their logic. People are saying that Jesus is not God's only begotten Son because God is a God, God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and to that point, they're right about those two points. God is God, God the Son is God. But they say, now look, now that we're born in His family, and God's God, and Jesus is God, that means we're God's. So therefore, Jesus is not God's only begotten. They are so far away from the truth of that. He is, we are sons of God. Would you all agree with that? Say amen. We're not gods. But I'll tell you what, listen. Though I was born in the family of God by a baptism of the Spirit, the Word of God says, Jesus is still that one of a kind, unique sons, and nobody is equal to Him. He is preeminent, He's predominant, and He, friend, is above all things, the Word of God says. Hey, man, you see, we've got to stand, listen, for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And that's what Peter was preaching about here when he said, Luke said that he was preaching the doctrine of the apostles. You see, the body of truth, just what I told you Wednesday night. It's that which belongs to Jesus. It's about Jesus, and it's that which, according to Ephesians 2.20, I was going to read it or try to quote it, according to Ephesians 2.20, that the apostles and the prophets, New Testament prophets, which was a temporary gift in the beginning of the New Testament church before the Word of God was completed, they preached that. They laid the foundation of the church. And from that point on, the death, burial, and the resurrection, friend, the, is the primacy of the church. Everything else is built on that foundation. Jesus Christ, he said in Ephesians 2, 20, being the chief cornerstone. This is what Paul said in the book of 1 Timothy 4, 12 and 13 and 14. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, for unto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, listen to this, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not making a suggestion to you tonight. I'm giving you a command from the Word of God. Let's do all that we need to do to make sure we stand on the treasures of truth. See, we're living in the last days. I've said that and I'm going to keep saying. There are days when something called ecumenism, 
ecumenicism is, is popular. Now, some of you may not like this. I'm not here to, to injure you or to hurt your feelings about this man. But all the good things that, 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 that uh, um, Billy Graham has done, and he's done many good things. Did y'all agree with me? Don't doubt he's Christian. But listen, he, in many ways, was the leader of breaking down walls that should have never been broken down and bringing people together. He, he was a leader in this ecumenical day and hour that we live. Now, that's between him and God. I mean, to tell you, God used him mightily. I remember when the TV was still black and white. And man, that dude still used the King James Bible, and he just flat out preached like we do. He'd just rear back and let it go. So I'm not throwing him under the bus. Everybody heard me say that. Say amen. Not here to hurt your feelings. I'm just being truthful on both sides of Billy Graham's life. And that's between him and God. But the truth of the matter is, friend, there's never a day when the doctrines of the Lord of God are to be played down and diminished by the people, especially by the people of God. Now it's in an attempt by the enemy of the church to do away with the fundamentals of faith. You know what, you know what they do in ecumenical circles? They'll say, now look, we can get together if you just lay down your, guess what the next word is? Doctrine. We can get together on the name of Jesus. Can I tell you all something? If you lay down your doctrine, you don't, have to get any, you don't have anything to get together with. Now, I'm going to tell you, friend, I may not know much, but I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Doctrine is vitally important if we are to know the truth about salvation and the righteousness of God. And brother or sister, it is our duty to see to it that these treasures of truth are maintained faithfully until the Lord comes and it's our privilege and responsibility to do so in this generation. So, it's going to shock y'all. Let me bring this message to a close. I'm getting really excited. I've got a few minutes before I do. But I'm getting to the end. To do that, I'm going to give you a list of things. Just a little, a little list. And I'm just going to really mention, I'm not going to exhaust anything here. I believe I've got six in my list, and I could have had many more than that. But six things that most people believe are the fundamentals of the faith. And they're all connected with Jesus. They're all built around Him. Their doctrines you'll find listed on our website. And we've got even more on there if you want to go look and see what you're supposed to believe as a member of Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle. It's a pretty good statement of faith, I think. It could have been expanded. I mean, to tell you, the verbiage could have been much more. I mean, many more things could be saved, but the basic fundamentals that are there are biblically sound. And the first one is the deity of Christ. Let me tell you all something, friend. If Jesus isn't God, we're lost and on our way to hell. It's just that simple. Jesus was both God and man. And according to what he said in John 3, 16, that he is the only begotten Son of God. He is a one-of-a-kind unique son of God he was unique in his birth unique in his life unique in his death and he's unique in his life that he lives forever again oh listen he was God manifest in the flesh Emmanuel he that was in the beginning who was with God 
was God. And John said he was manifesting. You know what that means? That means that he tabernacled. He put his tent down here right beside mine and yours. Isn't that amazing? And that's why, friend, because he knows us so well. Because he is like us. We can have and we can know for sure that we have a great high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And you know what Jesus did? He's just one part of the Godhead. He's not, listen now, He's not the second part of the Godhead, nor is the Holy Ghost the third part, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existing God. One God manifest in three personalities, making up one of the greatest truths of the Word of God that you'll not find the Word in the Word of God, and that is the Trinity. And yet the truth of the Trinity is throughout the Word of God undeniably. And it is the very Jews that really are upset with Christianity because they think we are, are, are with that we worship more than one God. That we are, what's the word? Um, polytheistic thank you because they say we worship three gods when in fact in the bible when it says in the beginning god that word elohim in the hebrew you know what it means it means plural it's amazing it's plural he said in the book of genesis again chapter 2 let us make god and he wasn't talking to him and the angels it's amazing friend it's throughout the word of god number two not only was Jesus God manifest in the flesh, he was born of a virgin. And really, when you begin to think about it, he was made of the seed of David is a better and more biblical way to say it. He was made of the seed of David. It took not on him, Hebrews said, chapter 2, the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. Isn't that amazing? Friend, listen, Jesus' beginning wasn't in Nazareth or in Bethlehem. He was of old, from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God, the Word of God says. And I want you to know something, friend. The virgin birth. The virgin birth is something that we refer to as a cardinal doctrine. And you say, why, preacher? Well, simply put, T.K. Price verbiage. It's of vital importance. Now, his resurrection proved that he was virgin born. But if he hadn't been virgin born, he could not have risen. They're tied, they're tied eternally together. How wonderful that is. You see, if it was not for this truth, and Jesus would have only been a man when he died, friend, he would only died for himself. But thank God, in light of the fact that he was born of a virgin, God manifest in the flesh. He died in order to be the Savior of whosoever will. And I'm one of those, and I thank God for his virgin birth. Number three, he lived a sinless life. He came into this world a man. But he lived among this world that's fallen, that's full of sin and sinners. And you know what the Bible says? Although he was tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. Oh, wait just a minute. Let me clarify. He was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says about him. He knew no sin. 
1 Peter 2.22 says, He had no sin. 1 John 3.5 said, He did no sin. And newsflash, when He went in the wilderness, in Matthew chapter 4, He didn't go there to see whether or not He would sin. He went there to prove that He could not sin because He had no sin nature. Now you see, when I first started preaching, I didn't know that. I was so dumb, so ignorant. I was honest. I was sincere. I thought he went in there to be tried like I was, see whether he would, but he couldn't sin. See, he was born of a virgin. He was fathered by God Almighty. Amen. And he was the last Adam. And he did, listen now, he did what Adam could have done. And he did what Adam did until he ran into a woman by the name of Eve. Now, that ain't all bad. Must not be in. Adam decided he'd rather die for her and with her than live without her. And when you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, it's a picture of Jesus and his church. And how many of you are in here that are glad that the last Adam died for his bride? Say amen. That's all I'm going to say. Number four, the substitutional death of Christ. I'm thankful for this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 3. Y'all may get tired of me saying it. There's certain things I just like hearing myself say. The five greatest words. My opinion. Never heard anybody else say it. No theologian never read a word of this. My opinion. I like them so well. The five greatest words in the word of God is Christ died for our sins. He took my place. He died my death. He suffered my shame. He suffered my hell, my separation from God. And it was a good day for T.K. Price when I found out he not only died for me, but he died as me. I don't understand that, but boy, I know he did. He was my substitute. Now the strange thing is, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus didn't sin. I just told you that he was sinless. I proved it by the word of God. I could give you other scriptures to go along with that. But you know what, friend? In order, in order to be able to die, friend, so that he could be a savior, he had to be sinless. You know why he died? He died for me and you. Jesus came into this world for the purpose of dying at Calvary. Now you see, I've heard preachers say some of the stupidest things, and I have too. I'm one of those. But I've not said some of the stupid things some have said. All right? Now, I've said some stupid things, folks, but I've not said some stupid things that some of them have said. See, I've never said, well, it really didn't matter how Jesus died or where he died. Y'all see what I'm saying? It sure did matter, friend. It was prophesied where he would die, how he would die, and even, even when he would die, according to, uh, according to the prophecy in the book of Daniel. Pretty amazing stuff this book is. Listen, when he died, he didn't die for himself. He died for me. One of the greatest... Would you all take a moment and turn to this? Let, let's take a moment. I'm about done. Judy's hands are itching. I can see them over there right now moving. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Chapter 10, excuse me. Chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. I, I want to I, I preach this sometime when I get it, when, when, 
when, when I get a little clear understanding, this is phenomenal, I think. Chapter 10, I want to read, uh, I'll pick it up in verse 4 because it's at the top of my page. I'm going to read down, uh, down through at least verse 5, maybe 6. He said, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. Look at this, but a body thou hast prepared me. Yea, though low is written in the volume of thy book to do thy will, O God. He said, a body thou hast prepared for me. God said, Adam, when you sin, you're going to die. Somebody, friend, had to die for my sins and yours. I could die for eternity, paying my sins, uh, for my sins, but never getting them paid for. But there was a man by the name of Jesus who happened to be God who happened to enter in this world through a virgin's womb, live sinless among us, tell the Father that, listen, I'm going to Calvary. They're going to nail me there. They're going to suspend me between the heaven and the earth. And when I get there, it's okay with me if you put all of his sins on me. I'll die for him. If you put yourself in that place, it'll hit you sometime too. I'll tell you, friend, when Jesus died, I don't understand this. Can you imagine? There's a little over eight. The last time I saw was eight billion, eight billion, nine million people on planet Earth now. It's amazing how population is, is uh, growing. That's one of the signs of the end time because in, in the book of Genesis 6, when uh, men were multiplying on, on the earth, well, they're multiplying now. I can't imagine. I, listen, y'all remember the way you were sins when you got saved? You remember how you remember how weighty your heart was? You remember, you remember how bowed down and bent that? Y'all, can y'all please say you can remember that, can you? I can't imagine all that being put on one man. Mm-mm-mm. Gotta go on. How about the burial and resurrection of Jesus? You see, it's important to know that Jesus made his grave with the wicked according to the book of Isaiah 53 and 9. And his burial is as much a part of the gospel as his death and resurrection. I told you of this before, and I, I want to tell it to you again. I was reading, studying one day, and I said, Hey, Debbie. She said, What? I said, Why did you bury Jesus? And she thought, Well, maybe he's dug something out or got some little nugget he wants to share with me or whatnot. She never knows what I want to ask. She said, Well, I don't know for sure why. I said, Because he was dead. Now, that's important. Y'all know that there was a theory that was, that was circulated early on in the New Testament that said Jesus just swooned on the cross. In other words, he just passed out under all the strain. Now listen to this. And when they put him in that cold tomb and his body came in touch with that cold limestone, he revived. And this man that had been beaten to within an inch of his life, who had been crucified, whose vestige was more marred than any man. He swooned on the cross, but was strong enough to push a boulder out of the way and come out from the grave. I, can I tell you all something? It's easier to believe what the Word of God says and what man's made up. Look, friend, I believe in the burial because he was dead. And listen to what this says, 1 Corinthians 5, 4, 15, 4. According to the Scriptures, he rose the third day. And you know what? I say glory to God today. Grave couldn't hold him. And finally, Judy, that's your favorite word, isn't it? Finally. The second coming. 
He's coming again. He's at his right place right now as an intercessor. This is phenomenal. Do you all know there was a time that God was a spirit, that Jesus didn't have a body? He's like God the Father. When Jesus spoke to the woman at Samaria at the well, he, he told her that God is a spirit. And listen to me, before Jesus became a man, he didn't have a body either. Now let that sink in. But here's the amazing part. And I want to know more about this when I get there. Now that he took upon, now that he has taken upon himself a body, do y'all know there will never be a time through eternity that he will not have it? Get up and now look. I know. I know. There's supposed to be one endless day, so take this for you know, tongue and cheek. If you get up one day and you say, "I wonder what I'll, I could praise God for today," I praise Him for about everything I know. You go to the throne and, and He throws His hand up and says, "Hey, calls your name," and you see the net, you'll have something to praise Him for. I'll guarantee. You. I'll guarantee. You. And He's coming back. He said in the book of John, if this is the only verse of Scripture that we have in the Word of God, 14 and 3, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if or since or in light of the fact that I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Now if that wasn't enough, the angel said in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 11, to the men of Galilee, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here, gaze into the heaven. Here's the phrase I like. it. I like the whole thing, but I like the phrase, this same Jesus, whom you see ascending, shall descend again in like manner. He's coming back. He's coming. Now, I mean this. I don't know who's going to preach my funeral if I don't go into rapture, but whoever it is, make sure you tell him to tell them that I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I didn't go on the rapture. I believe it's close, folks. I believe it's closer than we just could imagine. I believe it's soon to happen, and the sooner for me, the better. Now these, listen, are the things that the church must stand on. These are the treasured truths of time. They're not to be debated not to be doubted. We are to learn as much about them as we can, and we are to propagate them and embrace them, friend. Now listen to, the, listen to this statement as if our life depended on it because it does. And you know what? If we stand on these things till the Lord comes, and I like this, the Lord gave it to me, then for an eternity we'll be able to delve into their depths for an endless day and rejoice in the great truths that bought us and brought us out of the depths of sin to the very place Jesus has gone to prepare. That's good writing right there, if I do say so myself. Every head bowed, nobody looking around.